0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. The podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisation and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, please go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Joining me on the programme today on a cloudy autumn day here in the capital is Carol Metters. Carol is a director at Missing Link Mental Health Services, a mental health and housing support service for women in Bristol. Um, Carol, very warm welcome to yourself and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure welcoming you onto the uh, the show with us, Carol. Um, normally at this point in the programme, we would dive straight into the subject of leadership and really bring that into focus. But considering the ongoing COVID-19 situation in this country, I feel it's appropriate we approach the subject matter from that angle because it's proven to be such a significant challenge for leaders within all walks of life. But for yourselves, just to what extent has it affected things?
1: Oh, um, it's been totally traumatic. Um, we provide services for women with mental health problems, also victims of domestic abuse and sexual abuse. Um, and we work with thousands of women a year. And so the impact on just when COVID hit, we run more, more or less a face-to-face service, one-to-one personal uh, support to victims. Um, and we had to get everybody out of the office and go home and work from home, which we weren't prepared for at all. Um, in terms of resources, we didn't have enough laptops. Um, we didn't have enough equipment for people to to move out. So we had to find as much equipment as we possibly could. And we had 48 hours to do it. We've got 130 people in in, uh, in our organization and we had to get the majority of those out and home and safe within 48 hours and working because obviously our victims themselves and uh, our people with mental health problems were hugely worried about what was going on. So they needed more support, not less. So we were caught in this trap of not having the right resources, the demand increasing um, and staff ending up being more isolated in the sense that they were working from home and not in a group.
0: And do you see um, the demand for especially your domestic abuse services increasing over the uh, the coming months, just because we seem to be sort of going backwards now into um, more sort of lockdown restrictions. And then as we come out of that again, it's likely that with people tied to the home, restricted from obviously going out too much and being in the presence of whoever may be, of course, inflicting harm upon them, that all of a sudden there's going to be a spike in need for services such as yours.
1: Definitely. We've already seen that um, from the first wave. Um, And with lockdown, uh, obviously victims weren't able to get out of the house. Um, So we knew there was a lot going on behind closed doors for for the women and the children. But we couldn't reach them. Kids weren't going to school. Um, And, you know, at one point, women were afraid that they'd get arrested if they left the home. So we knew a lot of violence had happened. um, And there were lots of victims out there not knowing what to do. So we had to get the message out. That even in lockdown, the service was open and it was available. And if they contacted the police, the police would get them to us. Um, and so we, we had to get that message out. Uh, as soon as the lockdown was eased and there was more movement, we saw a huge, huge hike in people coming forward. A um, lo- lot more demand. Uh, and also, not just demand, but the um, level of incidents were more serious. The victims that experienced m- more uh, abuse and assault because they were trapped in the home, and we can see if there's another lockdown or something similar, <clears throat> that's going to be the same case. Um, mm. So, so besides dealing with the initial um, problems of of reaching out and making sure victims could be safe, we also had to deal with the increased demand. Um, so, so our, our, we we had about thirty forty percent increase in people coming forward. Also, with our mental health services, the whole thing about the fear of the pandemic and lockdown and isolation compounded their already mental health problems, and so they were needing more help. So, the impact on COVID of us has been dramatic um, in terms of the volume of work we have to do and the environment they were are working in. We've got staff who obviously talk to victims of rape and sexual abuse. They hear horrific stories. Normally in our in our normal pre-COVID environment, they would have been in a team. Some would have heard. They'd have had a difficult phone call. They would have said, are you all right? Um, when their people are working with them in their home, they're isolated. So they're hearing really, really awful things and not having the holding that they would have in an office environment. So so we've also had the challenge of making sure that our staff's mental health is okay, given mm. what we're trying to do.
0: And mental health is so, so important in leadership, isn't it? Not just, of course, in safeguarding that of those around you, but also making sure you do take a step back as a leader and have a bit of time out yourself as well, because it is mentally taxing having to step up and be a beacon of inspiration and motivation to others, particularly during a crisis such as this. And um, you say as well that, um, of course, um, there have been sort of issues that have cropped up um from the lack of human social contact which i think we have taken for granted before this um with regard Mm. to the remote working side of things then just how has it been for you sort of getting to grips with having to lead from a distance in a sense
1: well i I, there's uh, i think i've got zoom fatigue um leading from a long arm is quite hard um particularly with the nature of the services that we have mm-hmm. that are very personal, very emotional. Um, so so it, it's been quite challenging. How, how do we keep in touch with everyone? Um, so obviously we've done what we'd imagine. We've sent out newsletters. We've, we've contacted people as much as we can. But it has been a, a huge challenge in terms of the communication of, of people's well-being. And um, it, it was, you know, uh, some people were actually... Had the virus, so some people were vulnerable on our staff, so they had to be isolated anyway. Um, so we were often faced with a shortage of staff. Um, so, so uh, to be honest with you, we do have to look after our metal, of course. But I think, really, uh, we were really fortunate we had amazing managers who were prepared to go that extra mile considering what we were all going through. Um, I think there will be a time when. <clears throat> we have to reflect we did think in the summer, you know, um August time we thought, well this is this is a bit of a sweet spot. We can actually take some time and and, and, and give our look after ourselves because mm-hmm. we knew the second wave was gonna come. And, and and now it looks like it's upon us again. So it was a short, sort of quick period of us trying to recharge our batteries. Um and that was for all staff as well as managers. Um, And now we're waiting for,
0: you know, what happens next. It has only been temporary respite, very temporary respite. You're very, very right. And there will be some very significant challenges to still come on the uh, Mm -hmm. the horizon. We've mentioned already, of course, that um, you've had to really, really step up um, as a leader, as many leaders have, to keep their staff motivated. But when you're the one sort of at the top of the tree who is doing most of the sort of legwork, the inspiration, as it were, motivating people, when you need to find a little bit of your own direction, where is it that you tend to look to for that when there isn't anybody above you?
1: Well, um, for myself, personally, uh, you know, my my work-life balance is very important to me and i think that's true for most people um and so bringing work home work cuz i was also working from home was was challenging too to make sure i could stop you know um if if you if you've got a room with your office in it and it's so easy to go and check your emails it you know before you go to bed or first thing in the morning you get up um so so you have to be boundaryed and <clears throat> i think that's really important you obviously you need to be giving 100 percent, but you also need to make sure that you don't let things spill over too much so so my has been very important um, and I've got a very good senior management team, so they've been very helpful too uh, we do we do as an organization um, practice have reflective practice so we have um, groups where people can talk about the impact the emotional impact of the work, and then those are hugely important for us so those continued but over Zoom, not just, uh, obviously, we couldn't do them face-to-face. So so I also, um, as I said, I think everybody's struggling with Zoom now. You you, you lose the kind of human contact, I think. Um, And the incidental talk that you have when you're in the office, you know, going to the stairs in the kitchen, all of that's gone at the moment. Um, So I think you have to really be purposeful in thinking about your health in where you're going to get your light, light, humor, your chat from, your incidental conversations, because they're not obvious in this environment.
0: They're not. You're very, very right. And it is going to be a difficult few months as we keep getting to grips with the new normal and try and get back to some form of normality as we steer through this uh, this challenging winter. And over the course of the, uh, the next year, just before we do wrap things up on the programme today, Carol, um, what is it that you're really hoping to achieve at Bristol Missing Link? And where do you really want the organisation to be this time in a year?
1: Well, <clears throat> obviously free of COVID in the sense that there would be a vaccine and, you know, we would normalise things. Um, I I think there are some things in what's happened that we need to draw on. I'd really like time to reflect. We've always been resistant to staff working from home. Um, We were forced to do this because of COVID and there are some good things about it. So I think it's probably going to change our, our model and the way we work. I think we'll be more flexible. We'll probably have a mix of Um, people working from home and working um, in the office or mixing their time. So I I think there's an opportunity here for us to think we've been into this um, using digital solutions when we we haven't used them before. Um, And and, and I do think there's a place for them in the kind of work we do. And so so just thinking about what, what we have learned that's helpful to us from COVID and actually... Incorporating that into our future business model would be I think quite important for us um, and and obviously to um, find ways in which we can um, support staff in in if they are working from home uh, because I, you know we, we got that right sometimes and sometimes we didn't so mm. there 's lessons to be learned so I think a reflective time let 's look at what was good what wasn 't. Um, and see whether we can use it going forward.
0: There certainly are some positives that have come out of this very difficult and very trying time. And let's hope certainly Absolutely. that we can harness that and really keep yeah. that at the forefront of the mind because that positivity is so infectious at this time. And I think when morale yeah. is low, we do all really, really need a dose of that. Um, I do hope that over the course of the year, the next 12 months, Carol, there will be some positive news to share in how things are getting on at Missing Link. And it'll be wonderful for me to welcome you back onto the show at some point in the next year as well, just to see how things are actually coming along be happy to. I'd certainly welcome that. I've thoroughly enjoyed your company on the programme today. It's been a real, real pleasure to welcome you. And most importantly, until we do touch base again, please do take care and stay safe with everything that's still going on. And I would extend that to everybody associated with the organisation as well.
1: Thank you so much. And you too, stay safe.
0: I'd also like to extend that message to all of our listeners tuning in to today's programme too. Please do stay well, look after yourselves and be considerate of others, because it does make such a difference in saving lives. It was a pleasure for me to welcome Carol Metters, Director at Missing Link, onto today's programme. Next up on the show today, I'll be handing over to Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with former Education Secretary and incumbent Leaders Council Chairman, Lord Blunkett, who enjoyed a distinguished political career despite being blind from birth. Lord Blunkett held a number of senior positions in the cabinet of Tony Blair during his premiership and served as the MP for the Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough constituency for 28 years. He has been a member of Parliament's Upper House since August 2015 and I do hope that you all enjoy listening just as much as Matthew relished the opportunity to speak with him. That is coming up next.
2: Lord Blunkett, welcome.
3: Thank you very much, it's very good to be with you.